Hello and welcome everyone to this week's episode of A Man and His Word podcast. I am your host, Christian Gabriel. Today is the 18th day of November, which is a very special day for a good friend of mine. I just want to give a quick shout out and say happy birthday. I hope your day is going well. And as always, here goes nothing. In most towns and cities across the United States, autumn is in full effect. Autumn is my favorite season of the year by far. And you can tell that autumn is in the air because you can see yourself breathe. You have to hold a nice cup of coffee or hot chocolate in your hands while you're outside doing outreach and passing out flyers just to warm up your hands. The trees begin to change and the leaves begin to turn and they fall to the ground leaving the ground and the earth super crunchy with vibrant colors of orange and red and ember. And that's how you know autumn is here. And directly following autumn comes winter. And if you're in the north, you'll have first snow pretty soon, or you might have already experienced it, where everything turns white and it's cold And it's pretty at first, but then it just seems kind of desolate. As the days go on, it gets colder and darker and more depressing. And it got me to think about how do trees survive the winter? There's hardly any sun. There's no precipitation. It's all frozen to the ground. And how does it it know that this isn't the end? That this winter isn't the coldest winter it's ever experienced. And that it should just give up and die. But for whatever reason, that tree knows that this isn't the end. That this isn't the first winter. This isn't the last winter. And it holds on for dear life. Because it knows that pretty soon the snow will melt. The sun will come out. The groundhog will show up and say that spring is on the way. But what do we do as Christians and even as humans? What do we do in seasons of no fruit? It's easy to love God, to serve Him, to do His will, to love people, to forgive, to give generously to our community, to our churches and tithes and offerings in seasons of abundance. But what do we do in these seasons, like I said, when there's no fruit? When we're going through the storm, when we're at the the bottom of this mountain that we have to climb, there's no turning back, there's no way around it, we have to go through it. These mountains, these storms, these cold winters, they come in the form of hardships, offenses, loss of a loved one, you're suffering from a, a, a terminal illness or a persistent sickness or disability. Or maybe you lost your friend or your job and you're struggling with your finances. Or maybe you're single and you're lonely and you look at your life and it's not going the way you expected it to. Life wasn't always this cold and this dark. There was light and there was hope and there was something that kept you moving. Because you had faith. Faith that things are going to be better. Because if you didn't have faith, you would have already quit by now. I think self-pity is the enemy of faith. 
It is the enemy of hope because it kills your motivation. And when you stop moving forward, you give up. And when you give up once, it makes it so much easier to give up. I was training for a marathon many years ago, and I was running 15 miles a day just to get ready. And I was doing it. I was doing it for months. My splits were so good. And then one day, I did my routine, my warm-up routine, which takes about an hour. And then I stepped out the door, and I ran two blocks. And in my mind, I said, what am I doing? Why am I running? And I stopped, and I turned around, and I went home. And that was the last day I ever ran long distance. If you have your Bible... Go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read verses 25 to 33. And the next topic, um, it's kind of a play on words, and I didn't mean for this to happen, but we're going to go ahead and talk about wavering faith amidst the storm. Verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, truly, you are the Son of God. You ever have a desire in your heart and you're afraid to ask God for it just because it just seems maybe you're not good enough or it's just a hard a hard thing to ask for because it's pretty much a miracle and you're afraid to and then you ask and God says, "All right, here you go. You want to walk on water? Come." And for a moment it's good. You're like, wow, I'm walking on water. Hey, guys, look at me. I'm, I'm actually doing it. I asked God. He, he said yes. Here I am. I'm doing it. And you got that, that job or you, you're in a relationship or whatever, whatever it is that you prayed for. And you get into the groove of things. You take the first step out on, on, the, on the water. To me, just getting out of the boat and, and taking that first step that would that would trip me out because I don't like the ocean and I don't like the ocean at night. Granted, this is the sea, but tomato, potato, whatever, right? So Peter takes that step out and he sees Jesus and he knows it's Jesus because he's walking on water. But then things all around him start to shake. The wind starts to blow. And I think it, it, at this moment, he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he looks to his left and he looks to his right 
And he's like, oh, what did I get myself into? And then he starts to sink. It's so easy for me to sit here and judge Peter and say, dude, you have Jesus standing right there. He said, come, you took the steps out, you're walking with with Jesus on the water. Why did you lose focus? Why did your faith waver? What caused you to doubt? And I say that I can't, I can't judge him because I know I do that too. And I'm sure that you all can feel that, you know, you feel that sentiment. Because as humans, we like to, one, we rely on God. And we're like, God, I really want this. Please help me. God says yes. And then we get in cruise control. We're like, okay, okay, I got this. I got this. This, you know, this relationship's going good. You know, this, this new diet is going good. This new move to a different town is good. Whatever it is, right? And then we take our eyes off of God and we start to do our own thing. I mean, we're not really fully, you know, giving up on God. It's just we took our eyes off of God for a second. And then we start to sink. And as soon as we start to sink, we throw our hands in the air and say, God, save me. This can't be, this can't be really you, God. This was never God's plan. And we give up. Oh, you of little faith. How many times have we asked God for something? He gave it to us. And the storm and the wind picked up. And we gave up. I like how it ends, though. Immediately when he cried out to Jesus, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and pulled him up, got him in the boat, and the storm stopped. That right there is hope. God, you know, Jesus is in the flesh going through this with Peter and Peter cries out saying, Lord, save me. And he saved him. Peter didn't deserve to be saved. But he he was saved anyway. And once he asked for help, Jesus came through, delivered him back into the boat, back to safety. And immediately, the wind and the storm ceased. To answer the question and the illustration, how do trees make it through the winter? The answer is the tree lays dormant. Seems like an easy thing, right? Like hibernating. But it's a little bit different. You see, in dormancy, a tree slows down its metabolism, its energy consumption, cell division and growth. It all slows down. This starts in autumn when the leaves start to fall because a chemical called abscisic acid is released and it signals the leaves to detach from the tree. This way it doesn't use up a lot of energy. It conserves energy and it allows the trees to live. Essentially what the tree is doing is it's cutting out all the unnecessary things going on in order to weather this winter. You see, it's not focused on how tall it grows 
or how pretty its leaves or its fruit is. It cuts everything off, it shuts down, and it focuses on the one thing that matters the most. Survival. Isn't that an interesting concept? I think we can apply that to our own lives. To a certain extent, of course. Because we can't shut out everything and everyone in our lives, whether good or bad, when we're going through the storm. But we can silence the doubt, the people around us, and we can just focus on survival. What if the battle that you're going through isn't a storm and it's not the cold winter or snow, but it comes hot like a fire, like a forest fire and everything around you is just being burnt up and consumed. Trees also go through the fire. And they still survive. How is that so? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> As Pastor uh, Scott would always say. Go ahead and turn to the book of Daniel chapter 3. We're going to study Shadrach, Meshach, and Abilagot. I know his name is Abednego, but Abilagot sounds more fun. <laughs> Easter eggs. To give you a little background information... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are the three amigos, and they are the compadres of Daniel, the namesake of the book. In chapter 1, these four guys, they're, they're Jewish boys, teenagers, young men, and they are under the rule of the Babylonian king, King Nebuchadnezzar. They set themselves apart by not eating the delicacies of the king as they are training to be advisors and servants of King Nebuchadnezzar and they go 10 days on this different fast of vegetables and only water and because they did that and they didn't defile themselves with the food that the king and, and the normal you know the um, the local people God blessed them with wisdom with so many different talents, knowledge, and understanding, and, and God bless them, and that set them above the rest of the people that were in their training class, kind of like an, like an army boot camp, if you will, if that helps you to understand that. And, you know, so God bless them, and then King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that troubled him and a vision. No one could decipher it except Daniel because... God, the one true God, helped Daniel out, again, setting him and um, the three amigos apart from everybody else. So Nebuchadnezzar promoted them to high offices within his, uh, his, his council. Um, so that's that. If you want to read more into it, definitely do. Daniel is a great read. There's so many things that, can, that you'll learn from it. But we're going to go ahead and just study... Uh, chapter 3. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 16, but I'll give you a little bit more background information. Again, read it for yourself. So in the first 15 verses of chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar, he builds this ginormous statue of himself. And anytime this uh, arrangement of, of instruments blow their horns and harps and all these different things. That is the, the sound 
for everybody and their mother literally to fall down and worship the likeness of Nebuchadnezzar. The problem with that, though, for the, the three amigos, I'm just going to call them that, is they believe in the one true God. They're not going to bow down and worship the likeness of man or any other God. When Nebuchadnezzar found out that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego weren't going to worship him, he called them into the office and said, Hey guys, I'm going to give you one last opportunity, one last warning. If you don't heed this warning, I'm going to have to throw you into the fiery furnace to set an example because I can't have you guys um, being rebels because if you guys don't do this, then other people are going to think it's okay to not do that. And then, you know, you have a civil war. But, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they all look at each other and then they look at Nebuchadnezzar and they say, Sorry, man, we're not going to do it. So Nebuchadnezzar is pretty heated, no pun intended. We'll pick up on verse 19. Again, we are in chapter 3. The Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and his expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Jump down to 22. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the, the, into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, This is true, O king. Look, he said, or look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. And later on in that chapter, it says that they worshipped the one true God. Does that sound like you? Are you trying to make a stand for your faith in service to the Most High God? Are you a new convert and you just made that pledge and you're like, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. I'm giving my life over to you. And you have this new found freedom. You have the Holy Spirit residing in your heart and you feel so good and you have this confidence. And as soon as you go back into your workplace or you talk to your family or your friends, they all try to get you to conform to what everyone else in the world is doing. You see, Meshach, Shadrach, and, and Abednego, they set themselves apart from the Babylonians. They didn't eat the food that everyone else ate. They didn't worship when the music played. They set themselves apart from everyone because they did it out of love and faith to God. And you can find yourself in that same predicament. 
you're newly saved or you're married to someone who isn't saved and you want to live a righteous life for Jesus, for God, and the people around you are starting to pull you back in. And you go back to to asking yourself, God, is this really you? Is this really what you want for my life? Should I give up? Should I quit? No, you shouldn't. The answer is no, you shouldn't. Well, I won't go that far. Speak to God, pray, talk to your pastor, because not every situation is the same. But the, the lesson out of the three amigos is they didn't waver in faith. Where Peter got off track as is, is he took his eyes off God and he sunk. These three men kept their focus on God and they didn't burn up when the fire came. That's exactly how the trees do. Because when the, the brush fire or the wildfires, whatever you want to call them, come rolling in, the fire consumes everything around them. Everything dies except the things that are rooted deeply into the ground, the trees. This metaphor is we are the tree and our roots are our commitment and our faith and our love and and our desire and our need and the realization for that need into the soil that keeps us there and that provides our nutrients and that foundation and that soil is God is Jesus Christ and you won't burn up and even, even though you'll burn and you'll go through you know, the, the winters and you'll go through the fires, whatever it is, you'll still be saved. Because we as the trees are rooted in the word and in the promises and in the love and the protection of Jesus Christ. Just like there are four seasons in a year. Winter, spring, summer, or fall. <laughs> I love that song. It's an old school song. My parents used to listen to it, so whatever. Um, the thing is, when I was doing research for this episode, I looked up how many times storms were mentioned in the Bible. And there was 137 entries about the storm. Whether it was metaphorical or if it was like a literal storm, it mentions storms. And at the end of these, these scriptures and these stories, it always talks about holding on to faith, knowing that God is with you. I think about my past storms and the fires that raged around me. And I'm grateful for them because they taught me so much about myself. I can look back at Peter and say, well, he should have done this, he should have done that, because I've done it too. I wish I would have said I'm sorry. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I would have asked forgiveness. I wish I would have tried harder. I wish I would have prayed more. 
I wish I would have got up earlier. Or I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. It's an, it's an, it's an old, tired, beat-up drum that we've all played. But because of it, I'm able to analyze all the storms that I've been through, and I'm learning from it. As my pastor would say, happy accidents. What did you learn from it? I learned to say I'm sorry. I learned to swallow my pride. I learned to, to admit that I need help. I'm not perfect. Neither are you. We'll never be perfect. We're always going to make mistakes. And that's where the grace of Jesus Christ comes in. Because just like Peter, we don't deserve God's help. But when we ask, he extends out his hand and he grabs us out of the water and brings us back into the safety of his boat. And when we're in the fire, he's with us. Three entered that furnace, but four were observed. One appeared to be the Son of God. I'll begin to close by pointing out another fun fact about trees. Like I stated before, during the winter, cell division stops and the tree doesn't grow anymore. But as soon as it makes it through the winter and spring and rejuvenation and life begins to, to thrive again, it starts to grow. The same with the fire. The fire goes and burns things up and it shuts down, but then it reemerges. You can measure a tree, how old it is, <clears throat> excuse me, by looking at the rings inside the trunk. Of course, you can't see the trunk until you cut it down, but that's how they measure a tree. How many winters it went through and it stopped growing. And then it grew so much more throughout the rest of the year. And it continued to do that. And that goes to show that our roots don't get deep and that our, our, our trunks don't get big overnight. It takes time. You're going to go through the fires. You're going to go through the winters. But guess what? You will also go through the springs and the summers and enjoy the autumns. James 1, verses 2 and 3 reads, My brethren, count it all a joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And patience produces strength. So hold on. Don't let go. Don't give up. You're almost there. It's so cold or it's so hot depending on what battle you're fighting or however it feels to you. But don't let your faith waver. Because right when you think you've had enough and you're sinking and you're drowning and you're just going to give up and die, 
You cry out to Jesus Christ and he will extend his hand. No matter if you deserve it or not. No matter if you got yourself in that situation or you're in desperate need because you just fell into a hole somehow. At the end of the day, Jesus Christ will extend his right hand and pull you to safety. Just remember, faith over circumstances. That concludes this week's episode of A Man and His Word podcast. Again, I am your host, Christian Gabriel. I want to say thank you for sticking it out with me through this episode and for uh, putting up with my lack of publishing content over the last two months. My life has been uh, ebbs and flows, ups and downs, and all arounds, but um, I, I want to say thank you for all your prayers. I know that you guys are praying for me because God has been blessing me with so many topics, with so, so many scripture and, and words that I've, I've been given, and I've met a ton of good people that are willing to hop on this channel. I look forward to bringing some of those folks on board and the conversations that I've had and just the overall feedback that I've, I've received and the analytics on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Chrome, Spotify, Anchor. Uh, it's all been very positive. So again, thank you. Please continue to pray for me as I continue to pray for you all. Again, if you need anything, my email is in the bio. Uh, feel free to reach out, send comments, whatever it is that you that you have on your mind. Let's discuss it. And um, and again, thank you. And have a great day or night, depending on what time you're listening to this. But uh, again, thank you, and I appreciate everything and the support. Take care, y'all. Till next time.